0: Good morning, it's good to see you guys today, thank you so much for choosing to uh, worship here with us today, thank you to all of you that have joined us online, really grateful that you're here, this is my friend Gabe, I know that you're not used to seeing two people up here, Uh, we have a reason for this and we're going to get into that in just a minute. We are excited about the Bay Area Family Gathering that starts at 5 p.m. tonight. I really, really hope that you can be here and be a part of that. Uh, We have something really, really exciting to share about what God's been doing and how we're going to take a next step as a church. And I'm really uh, excited to share that with you. We are in the third week of a series called Saturation and I said, let's define saturation like this. Uh, Saturation, from our perspective, involves the 600,000 people that live between the Beltway and the Beach and the Bay and Brazoria County, about 600,000 people there. And we say as a church often we want to saturate that region, the 4B area, with the gospel by restoring people, families, and churches. So saturation for us looks like every person in the 4B area, all 600,000, connected to someone relationally who, can't, who knows Christ, walks with Christ, and can share the gospel with that person and, and disciple them. That would be saturation. And that's our goal. That's our dream. That's our hope is to see everyone connected to someone who will share the gospel uh, with them. And to that end, uh, today we're going to talk about church in uh, society. So let me go ahead and introduce Gabe to you. Uh, Gabe is going to be preaching. Uh, A portion of this, Gabe is one of our elders in training. He's a candidate as an elder here at Bay Area Church. Uh, But beyond that, married to Jamie. I got to do their wedding, which was uh, pretty awesome. Now they have uh, three kids, five, three, and two. And Gabe is a flight controller at NASA, so... Yeah, this is not his uh, day job up here. And so I'm really grateful that you took the time to uh, to do this with us today. We're going to be in First Peter chapter 2, 4 to 9. So if you would find your place in the copy of, of God's word, we'll, we'll actually be all over the scriptures today. But we'll start there in First Peter chapter 2, verses 4 to 9. And if you'll stand with me as we read uh, in honor of God's word. And if you're our guest, we say this phrase: uh, the very words at the end of the main text reading, just to distinguish God's word uh, from my own. So here's what the scripture says, beginning in First Peter chapter two, four to nine. into his marvelous light. words, you could be seated. So today we're going to talk about the church in society, which means out there in the in the cities and the towns and the neighborhoods that we live in. And we have a message. It's called the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. That is a message that all 600,000 people in the 4B area need access to. They need to be able to uh, hear it. And, and here's kind of the first point of today, that the gospel is a message best delivered at the crossroads of society actually in the public square, just out there where you are every day. You know, this passage of scripture that we just read, there's a lot here and and we could actually spend weeks and weeks just breaking down all the truth that is here, but there's one thing that I want to focus on in this passage, the imagery of living stones, the idea that Uh, As Peter was writing, he called the followers of Jesus. uh, He said, "You you come to him as a living stone. And he told them that you're this chosen race, this royal priesthood, this holy nation to proclaim the excellencies of God. These were just average... Ordinary, everyday people who had chosen to follow Jesus. And he said, You are a living stone. That imagery might not mean a lot to us, but in the ancient Near East, there's a practice of setting stones. And I want to show you a picture, if I can, uh, quickly. So this is a picture of stones that have been set. These stones are about 1500, well, they're from 1500 BC. So actually the Canaanites set these stones, but it's a practice that takes place all over the Near East. You find it in the scriptures from Abraham to Joshua. And it's interesting when you come across these stones, they are always at a crossroads, like at a major crossroads, a trade route, a high place where everybody walks by and they see, and it's obvious something happened there. Now, if you walk by today, you might ask yourself the question, What did happen? You know, why are these stones here? Well, the reason they set stones in the ancient Near East, they set stones in honor of their God, whoever their God was. And the stones told a story of who their God is and what he did in that particular place. Right? That's... Setting stones always in an obvious place, always at a crossroads, always at a place of influence where everybody goes by and they see them and they ask themselves the question, who is this God and what did he, what did he do here? Now, those stones that I just showed you, they're actually dead stones. Dead stones. And the reason that they're dead stones is because no one knows the story of these stones. When you go there, there's no plaque that says, here's what happened. Here's what the Canaanite god Molech did in, in this location in, in the hill country of Israel. There's no, there's no plaque. No archaeologists, historians can only speculate as to what these stones are, but nobody knows the story behind the stones, So what good are they? They're dead stones. So Peter knows this imagery. All the disciples have seen it. They've walked by it their their entire lives at places of obvious influence, places like crossroads where people are walking by. These set stones should be living stones. Living stones are set in such a way that everybody knows the story behind the stones. And so we should be able to walk by and see at this place of influence, these stones that have been set. And we should know, oh, these were set in honor of Yahweh, the one true God, the, the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we should know the story behind the stones. But those stones are dead. Peter is saying to us, look, you should be, you come to him as a living stone. Rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves are like living stones. You're being built up into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. Now, here's the thing. Every one of you who is a follower of Jesus Christ is a living stone. And you have been placed in an obvious place at a crossroads right in the middle of the public square where everybody sees and hopefully they know the one true God and his story, the gospel, the good news. Now, I want to show you what your crossroads look like. I'm going to show you another graphic. This graphic illustrates eight domains that make up every society. Each society, anywhere all over the world, you can bet you're going to find these eight domains, people working in the context of these domains, things like agriculture and water, social and civil society, which would include home uh, for all of you stay-at-home parents out there, education, education. Art, media, communication, science, technology, governance, medical, business and economics. All of these domains, these eight domains make up every society. And these are the crossroads, the places of influence that you have been placed in. You're already there. You already have connections. You already have a skill set. You're already investing in that particular field. You are the living stone In that domain that everybody passes and hopefully they hear the story, the good news of God, of of Jesus and his son who died on a cross to save us from our sins. You're already at the crossroads, so to speak. Today, in our life groups throughout the week and also uh, online, we're going to be doing a domain survey. So we actually want you to take this survey And let us know what domain you're working in. Because we have some ideas about how we want to mobilize and equip people in their domains, not in here. I'm not asking you to do something in here. We want to equip you and mobilize you for out there in the place that you already are so that you can be that living stone set in an obvious place that everybody passes by and knows, oh, that's the story of Jesus. Now I've asked Gabe to come uh, today because Gabe, for a long time, I've watched Gabe live in the science and technology field, the domain of science and technology, and actually live this out. And we were thinking as we were talking about this series, hey, wouldn't it be great to have somebody who is not in in the bubble of church? but it's working out there every day. Uh, and so we, I've asked Gabe to come and talk. So I'm going to sit down and let Gabe uh, preach. So you go for it, bud.
1: Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. <clears throat> um, well, so as, as Brian was kind of alluding to here, hey, do you mind if I
0: just fold yeah. this up? Thanks, man. Sure. Thank Do you. whatever you want. You, Give <laughs> me my so Bible good, back, man. I'll <laughs> tell you. Don't touch it. There. <laughs> Do you need two waters? My, my Bible one? is significantly thinner Take than the pastor's Bible. <laughs> here, go
1: ahead. No, <laughs> no please come back, Brian. Come back. Don't Good leave luck. me up here by myself. You're in
0: training. You're in the deep end now.
1: <laughs> okay. <clears throat> we did not practice that. So here, let's, uh, let's see how this goes. Um, are you going to come back? or? If you'd like me to. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, All <clears> right. <throat> Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it, brother. <laughs> yeah. uh, so when we, when we talk about domains, I think it's important to first understand what drives domains, right? Uh, Brian put up a really awesome picture up there about the different domains that we have in our society. And, and I'll argue that it is work that drives our domain. And we need to understand uh, what work is from, from a biblical perspective before we kind of understand what domains are and before we can step into those domains and bring the gospel into those domains. Uh, now, <clears throat> Please be aware that I did not use the word job. I use the word work. There's an important distinction between work and what your job is. But work is the primary way in which we interface with our domains. So think about this, right? How would you define work? How would you define work? I think most of us would maybe say work is something that we invest most of our time in. Uh, we maybe produce something through work and we're compensated from that. And then the government comes and takes 30% of that compensation, right? Uh, but that's, that's more of a definition of what a job is and a, and a traditional job uh, for that matter. But let's, I want us to kind of take a look at what work is uh, from a biblical perspective. And I would argue that work is what we do as humans created in the image of God. Therefore, if you are a living human, you work. If you are a living human, you are working. So if you have a traditional job, you work. If you have a non-traditional job, you work. If you are a stay-at-home parent, you work. If you're a retiree, you work. If you're disabled, you work. If you are a student, you work. So let's take a look at the scripture and see what work is. And work was defined all the way back at the beginning, at at the dawn of humanity, when God created humans in his own image. So uh, let's flip to Genesis chapter 1. Verses uh, 27 and 28. Open up my Bible here. Smaller than Brian's. Um, So Genesis chapter 1, 27 and 28. It says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heaven, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So, when we take a look at this passage, excuse me, I'm not, uh, I don't, I'm not professional up here, so gotta, gotta, gotta hydrate. <clears throat> uh, when we take a look at this passage, see a couple things. First of all, humanity, men and women, were created in the image of God. That's very different than the rest of creation, right? We see that humans were created in the image of God, set apart, special, and different. And then we see that God gives men and women uh, a mandate, a commandment. He tells them to be fruitful, to multiply, and to rule the world and subdue it. Rule and subdue. Be fruitful, multiply, rule the world, and subdue it. Um, Now, uh, the, the command to be fruitful and multiply certainly carries the implication of reproduction and thus bearing God's image and multiplying his image. But it also helps us frame what it means to work, what it means to be a human being, and what it is that we're supposed to do as image bearers. It tells us to be fruitful, multiply, rule, and subdue. And this helps bound and describe and frame Work for humans. So what does it mean to be fruitful, right? Have you guys ever, you know, when you were kids, your parents were like, just do something productive, right? Like, stop, stop doing this. Stop wasting time. Just do something productive. That's what it means to be fruitful. Be fruitful. What is it that you're producing? What ideas are you bringing to life? What problems are you working to solve? What are things that you are creating, services that you are providing? If you are being fruitful in what you do on a daily basis, you work. You work. What does it mean to multiply? Multiply. This one's a little more uh, maybe philosophical, a little less less pragmatic. But essentially, we, we are God's image bearers. Uh, and therefore, the act of multiplication is intended to increase God's image and character in the world around us. So if you are bringing God's character into the world around you, if you're trying to expand uh, his knowledge in the world around you, you are multiplying. If you are multiplying, you work. And lastly, uh, rule and subdue. Now, this one is one that I think folks shy away from, right? Rule and subdue. Uh, You know, I think people are like, you know, I'm not really Muammar Gaddafi or King Jung Un. I don't don't rule and subdue. That's not my leadership style. Uh, But but it is what we are called to do as image bearers. Now, do, do you realize that God is constantly ruling and subduing? is constantly ruling and subduing therefore as his image bearers were called to rule and subdue and i think the reason we shy away from it is because we have a broken definition of what it means to rule and subdue um i'm not a hebrew scholar so brian might correct me here uh, but the hebrew word for subdue is kibosh like right, did i say that right Kabbash. okay it's not spanish so uh I, I don't i don't know how it's pronounced but it's kibosh and kibosh Carries the connotation of cultivate, right? To cultivate. That is how we rule and subdue in a manner akin to the way that God rules and subdue is to cultivate. So are you cultivating? Are you cultivating things in such a way that they thrive and grow and flourish? If you're cultivating in, in, in it could be people, it could be things, but if you're cultivating, you work. So if you are being fruitful if you're, being multi- if you're multiplying and if you're ruling and subduing, you work. And that then helps define the domain that you are in. Right? So let me just affirm this. If you're a stay-at-home parent and maybe you've heard that you don't work, you're not a working person, let me just affirm this. Stay-at-home parents are certainly being fruitful. They're multiplying and they are cultivating. You work, right? If you are a retiree, I think most of you are using your time in such a way that you're being fruitful that you're multiplying, and that you're cultivating, right? So when you think about the work that you do, think about, hey, how is it that in my day-in, day-out life, I am being fruitful, I am multiplying, or I am, I am cultivating, Now, I understand in a room this big, there's people all over the board with regards to what it is they do on a daily basis. And there's some of you who absolutely love what you get to do on a daily basis. And you're leaning into this and you're loving it. And you're like, yeah, I can totally see how I'm doing those things in my workplace. And then there's some of you maybe on the other end of the spectrum where you're like, hey, you, you don't get it, Uh, I hate what I have to do on a daily basis. I don't enjoy it. Uh, And frankly, I don't really see how I'm doing any of that uh, on a daily basis. And and, and to those folks, I say, hey, I understand. right? I I understand that you might be in that place. Uh, And what I would say to you is uh, work is not necessarily bound by your job. So if you're in that place, I would say, hey, look in your life and look into things that you might be passionate about that you do outside of work. Uh, things that you enjoy, things that uh, are maybe hobbies wherein you are being fruitful, where you're multiplying, where you're cultivating, right? Maybe you're a coach. I don't know. Maybe you're a Cub Scout troop, right? Those those are ways that are outside of your traditional job wherein you are carrying out the commission to work, right? And I think it's important to understand this uh, because, again, work defines our domains. It defines the people that we work around. <clears throat> and work, therefore, has intrinsic value to God, what you do on a daily basis has intrinsic value to God. I don't know if any of you have ever heard maybe from the pulpit, not this pulpit, not, not, uh, not from Brian, but maybe from pulpit that your job or your work only really matters if you're bringing the gospel into it. I would say that's a little bit misguided. Now, yes, you should be bringing the gospel into your workplace, into your domains. And we're going to talk about that here in a little bit. But your work in and of itself has intrinsic value to God. That's what he designed you to do. That is the primary way in which we image God and therefore bring him glory is by working. And did you realize that at the end of all things, when Christ's dwelling place will be with humanity, we won't need to share the gospel anymore. But we're still going to be working because that is the way that we image God and bring him glory. All right, so I want to make sure that, that you hear that. What you do on a daily basis has intrinsic value to God. Now, we live in a broken world, right? Sin has entered the world, which brought about uh, physical destruction and spiritual destruction. When you work and therefore image God, you bring physical restoration into that brokenness. And if you are a believer you are then called to bring spiritual restoration through the gospel. And that's what we're going to dive into here in a minute. So um, let's transition and and read Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. And if you've been in church for any length of time, you're probably familiar with this verse. It's the Great Commission. Uh, So we just talked about the commission to work. Now we're going to talk about the Great Commission, which is given to believers. So uh, I'll pick up Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. It says, And Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. So this is a commission that we have to bring spiritual restoration into our domains. Right? We talked about physical restoration through work, and work then defines what our domain is. Uh, there's people in those domains, broken people, and they need spiritual restoration. And we are called as believers to bring that spiritual restoration into those domains. We see here the calling is to make disciples. And that calling is given to every single follower of Christ. Therefore, If you call yourself a follower of Christ, you are a disciple maker, and you are in full-time ministry. I want to make sure we hear that, right? If you are a follower of Christ, you are in full-time ministry. You look up here on the stage today, you see a pastor and an engineer. We have chosen different ways to carry out the calling to work. Brian, in the domain of the church, I have chosen to work in the domain of science and technology, but we will both agree that we are both in full-time ministry. If you are a follower of Christ, you are in full-time ministry and you're called to make disciples and bring spiritual restoration into your domain. So how can we do that? Right? I got, I got three different ways that, that, <clears throat> that I've learned how to do that. Right? The first one is, uh, be understanding, right? Be understanding. You need to understand the cultural context of your domain. This is this is very important. Um, you need to be willing to understand before being understood. You need to be willing to understand before being understood. If you're married, you hopefully understand this concept, concept right? I'm working on it. I'm still working on it. Uh, but it applies in any sort of cultural context, in, in the domain that God has placed you in. You need to understand others. You need to understand where they come from before they will be willing to understand you. The most effective way to bring the gospel into your cultural context is to understand the places where that, that uh, context struggles with God, where they image God without knowing it, and then bring the gospel uh, via understanding before others understand you second way that we can bring uh, the gospel of restoration into our workplace domains is by being faithful, right? Be, be, be faithful. The first way that we can do this uh, is excel at the work that you do, right? We as believers are called to work and image God and bring him glory. Therefore, excel at the work that you do. Colossians 3.23. Let's see if we can, we can pop it up here. Yeah, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. And actually, I'm going to take it to the next verse here, uh, a step further. So, it says, "Whatever you do, work heartily, as for a Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as a reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ." Uh, that Bible reference, like Colossians three twenty three, was my password login uh, in my workplace because I, I wanted to type that in every single day when i started my job and listen don't worry i'm not you like giving it was? away i'm not giving away any launch codes cuz it doesn't meet the minimum safety requirements anymore right and we got two factor authentication but it was it was right maybe i'll just cut that out of the second service, yeah you know um, <laughs> we should excel at what we do we should be excellent employees seeking to bring god's glory into our domains by working hard Doing our job with excellence. Secondly, how, how, how else can we be faithful? Don't don't hide the fact that you're a believer, right? Just just be open and honest about it. Here's a really easy way to do that. Hey, Gabe, how was your weekend? Oh, it was pretty good. You know, Saturday we did took care of some things. Uh, Benny threw up, and so that was. That was rough. Uh, and then Sunday, uh, Benny was feeling better. So we went to church, and then we hung out together as a family, took care of a couple other things, got the kids to, to, to bed early, right? I just stated, hey, I, I went to church, right? It's part of my weekend. It's part of who I am. It's part of what I do, right? Uh, don't, don't hide. the. Sometimes we, like, try to avoid it. Like, yeah, Sunday, you know, something in the morning, mow the grass in the afternoon. Uh, you know, it, it just don't hide it. I think increasingly people value authenticity over having a similar worldview. Uh, and if, if people find out later on that you're a Christian, and you've been hiding it all along, that really hurts your reputation as a Christ follower. So don't hide the fact that you're a believer, just, just have it out there. Um, <clears throat> the third way that you can be faithful is, and this is one that I'm working on, is pray for your coworkers. If you're not in a traditional job, pray for the people within your domain. Uh, I'll tell you a quick story about this. When I first started working at at NASA, uh, I would get together with a group of other believers for 10 minutes. I think it was like Wednesday mornings during the week. And it was just quick 10 minutes. We would sit down and we would pray for our coworkers by name, coworkers that didn't know Jesus, coworkers that maybe we had some form of basic spiritual conversation with, and we would pray for them. Two years into doing this, once a week, we realized, hey, God is really opening up the doors for us to have spiritual conversations with our coworkers. uh, But we don't have the time to discuss these things, and they're very interested. So we started uh, a Bible study. Uh, A young lady opened up her home, which it was good that it was a lady, because if you've ever walked into a single male engineer's household, it's not super welcoming. Um, But a young lady opened up her home, and we just started going through the Bible uh, with our co-workers who didn't know Jesus but were curious about it because we had told them that we were believers and we were able to have different conversations with them and we had been praying for them. Through that, I invited uh, a coworker of mine just, just to be nice because he was my friend and I was pretty certain that he was going to say no because I've had a, had a lot of other coworkers tell me, hey, no thanks, Gabe. Uh, <clears throat> and he's like, yeah, actually, I would, I would really love that, Gabe. I was like, okay, great. And he would come every single week, even like when I was sick and wasn't able to make it, he would still go. And the Holy Spirit, unbeknownst to me, was really working on him through a variety of means. Uh, And we got to see him come to know the Lord as a savior and then go tell other people about him in his workplace. Uh, and, And that was driven by the fact that we were praying for our coworkers. And I'll be honest with you, as I was preparing for this message, I realized that I just stopped doing that. I don't know why, but I did, and I was convicted, and it's something that I'm going to start doing again is praying for my coworkers by name. There is power in prayer. Uh, let's, not, let's not push back on that. Something else that maybe you can, you can gather from that is the fact that if you're going to be bringing the gospel into your domains, you need to be doing it in community. Um, don't do it by yourself. Try to find other believers in your domain uh, who love the Lord and want to do this. And if you can't find believers in that domain, you're in a room filled with people that are in some sort of domains. Uh, partner with them. I, I meet regularly with two other guys that are in different domains as me, right? One's in the educa- education domain, and the other one's in the I guess the Coast Guard domain, I don't know what bubble that one's in, but he's in the Coast Guard. So, Um, And that's what we do. We talk about, hey, how can we excel in our workplaces? How can we bring uh, the gospel into our spheres of influence? Who are the people that we can be praying for, right? And that's really encouraging, uh, and and I need that. The last way that we can bring the gospel into our domains is to, to be ready, right? Be ready, be understanding, be faithful, and be ready. You don't need to know everything about Christianity You don't, let me just, just relax, right? You don't need to be out there defending the faith, right? Especially if you're in the STEM field, you don't need to know everything about Christianity. All you need to know is that you are saved by grace, through faith in Christ, by grace, through faith in Christ. Uh, It's okay if you get tough questions to say, "I, I don't know. That is a really tough question. I don't know. Let me look into that for you that shows authenticity but at the end of the day typically those tough tough questions don't change the fact that you are saved by grace through faith in christ i'll tell you a quick story here real quick uh i had a buddy of mine that i also invited to this bible study and he was like uh are you serious Gabe?" i was like okay (laughs) this is awkward uh he's like no thanks thanks buddy you know we're, we're good friends but bible studies aren't really my thing um I, I just, it's not what I want to do. I was like, okay, that's, that's fine. Uh, we still ha- would have spiritual conversations from time to time. Four years later, he started getting into audiobooks and started listening to Chronicles of Narnia. And uh, he comes to me and he says, hey, Gabe, I've been listening to Chronicles of Narnia. Did you know that C.S. Lewis also wrote nonfiction books? And I was like, yeah, I, yeah, I did. He's like, well, I picked up this nonfiction book called Mere Christianity. And I thought to myself, hey, this is something I could talk to Gabe about. I was like, what? Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, I would love to do that. And so we uh, had to work on his fence, and he said, hey, this weekend, can we talk about the, the mere Christianity? And I'm like, yes, let's do it. And we spent the whole weekend working on his fence. We didn't finish it, so then we had to come back two weeks later and work on his fence some more. And we just had awesome conversation. And he told me, he didn't become a Christian, um, but he said, hey, I finally have an understanding of what it means to be a follower of Christ. I'm not ready to do that, but... I have an understanding of what it means to be a follower of Christ. We need to be ready, right? We need to be ready to bring the gospel into our spheres of influence. We just saw people get baptized um, because you guys were faithful in the family domain and in the workplace domain. You were faithful in working hard and being excellent and then telling people about Christ. And we saw people get saved and baptized here today as a result of that. That's what it's about. That is what it means to be a living stone. And, and I'll just say one last thing here real quick and hand it back over to Brian. Um, <clears throat> it's true. When you sit up front, you hear hundreds of voices praising Jesus that you don't hear when you're sitting back there. And after we baptized those people, we said, God is the way maker the miracle worker, promise keeper, and the light in the darkness. And then we said that he is faithful. We sang that great is your faithfulness. If we believe those things, let's be faithful and wait on the Lord to bring in the reward.
0: Amen. Good job. Do you think NASA will let me come, like, push buttons now that I let you come up here? Well, I, I gave you my password, so
1: yeah, I do have the password. you can just walk in anytime <laughs> you want.
0: I'll try. Um, man, thank you so much, and I thank you for your authenticity. Uh, you're not talking about something that's uh, yeah, theoretical to you, but you're living it out on a daily basis, and I'm really grateful for that. I will say to you, as we are a church who uh, longs, to saturate the 4B area with the gospel by restoring people, families, and churches. It will only happen. It'll never happen. It doesn't matter how big a, a building we build here on this campus. It will never happen by trying to get people to come to church here. It will only happen if the church of Jesus Christ in the 4B area views itself as living stones in the domains that they network and live in every day. You ha- there are eight of them. You're all in one of those, at least. Two responses that I think are r- really important. <clears throat> Number one, I really want you to take the domain survey. So in your life groups, if you're in a life group this week, you'll get information on and you'll be able to take that domain survey. If you're not in a life group, you can go to our website, bayarea.church. There's a QR code that takes you right to the domain survey. We seriously want to know what domain you're working in every day because we want to compile a list of different domains that are in the house, so to speak. You know, every church is unique. Every church will have a, a different uh, uh, percentage of domains in in the room will be strong and some and less and others those kinds of things. It's, it's good to know that for two reasons. When you go to any city, whether it be league city or Lamarck or Galveston or Tripoli, Lebanon, you look at the domains and you ask the gatekeepers, Hey, what are the needs in this domain? And if we find out, Hey, we have a, we have a need for something in science and technology, do we have anybody in the house? I mean, I'm not good at science and technology, but do we have anybody in the house that could go to Tripoli Lebanon and help them with STEM? Yeah, we do. But we need to know that. And and so we want to begin to equip and mobilize people for the 4 area, the Northeast and the Middle East around domain. So please take that survey. That would be your your first uh Uh, your first response and we're so committed to that by the way that this will become part of our membership process so when you come to be a member of bay area church we're gonna cast vision for your domain that you live in and we're gonna ask you what it is and how you can uh serve in in that that domain for the glory of of christ we want to turn everything out that's how we're going to saturate the 4 area. The second response is this. Gabe already mentioned it, but I, I think with that, we should, we should put feet to it. We need to pray. We need to pray for the people in our, our domains. We might need to pray for ourselves, that we would be emboldened, that we would be uh, given wisdom that comes from God, that we would know. You know, <clears throat> I often pray, God, help me not to be a dead stone. One that people walk by and go, I wonder what happened there. <laughs> Let me be a living stone where everybody walks by and goes, oh, man, look what Jesus did there. You know, and so we might need to be emboldened to tell our story, to share the gospel, those kinds of things. And, and maybe, maybe we need to pray for ourselves, but we definitely need to pray for people all in the 4 area in need of the restoration that comes only, only through Christ. So uh, as we close today, I'm going to pray. But then we're going to invite you during the worship uh, time, during that song. If you want to pray, if you want to put feet to this. And the re- Why do I say that? It's really easy to sit there, hear a message, exit those doors, and go into your domains, but leave everything that you just uh, just experienced inside this little compartment and come back to it next week. We need to put feet to it. And so, so here's what I would ask. If you want to pray over people in your domains, Gabe and I want to pray over you for that. So we're going to ask you to come during this uh, this, last, this last worship song. And you can just pile in here at the front if you want to kneel, if whatever. But But at the end of the song, we want to pray over you for you and for your domains and for the people in your domains. And then when you take it out of here, take it with you. <laughs> think about tomorrow, who you prayed for today and pray for them tomorrow and lead with that understanding heart that Gabe talked about. As you begin to think about your domain as your your, your ministry, you're all full-time ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right? Would you bow your head and close your eyes? I just ask the Lord to speak to you. Father, we bless your name. You're good and holy and righteous above all. And you've gifted each one of us with your Holy Spirit. You've empowered us in Christ to go and make disciples of all nations. And you've given us these uh, unique places of influences, these unique crossroads that we're all in every day where people are passing by. And God, would you just use the work of our hands and the thoughts of our minds and the words of our mouth and the direction of our feet every day for your glory and for the good of people. And Father, help us to think about our place, our domain as our place of ministry. We love you so much in Christ's name. Amen.